Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. Before we move on to our conversation today, I have a really exciting opportunity to share with you. On March 27th, 1130 a.m. Eastern, I'm going to be leading a free three-hour workshop called Unapologetic about how to express yourself in your relationships authentically, unapologetically, and coming from the heart. I know many of you are out there struggling communicating your needs and expressing what you want in your relationships and saying how you feel or expressing your nose and setting your boundaries. And so often, even when you do that, you're overwhelmed with shame and guilt and wondering, did I say the right thing? What are they going to think? Or sometimes you're trying to express your feelings and you end up attacking someone and then they get defensive and then you're just in this spiral where the conversation really isn't going anywhere. From all the work that I've done, I've found that expressing yourself in relationships is way easier. It can be so easy to connect with someone with the right tools and with the right self-exploration of what is it that I want to say? How is it that I feel? So in this workshop, we're going to be talking about how to build that confidence and courage to ask for what you want and say your nose and say what you really feel in the moment. And then how to not step into that people-pleasing of caring what the other person's going to think or feeling guilty or wondering, did I say the right thing? So it's going to be taking your communication and your self-expression to the next level. If you're at a place where you're like, I don't even know what I want, that's perfect too. We're going to be talking about that. Because as you've all heard me talk about on this podcast, that's where I was. I was at a place where (laughs) in relationships with men especially, I had no idea what I want. And so often I, was, I wasn't I was saying how I was really feeling. I was just pretending. I was trying to be perfect. I was trying to people please. So it is a topic of conversation that is very, very important to me. And I'm very passionate to speak on. So I hope to see you there. If you want to join, then just send me a DM on Instagram. Um, just message me. Hi, I heard you on Commitment Phobe. And I want a spot on the Unapologetic Workshop. And I'll give you the rest of the information. It's going to be three hours, complimentary, March 27th. And it's going to be very hands-on and powerful. So I hope to see you there. And enjoy the rest of today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we are recording on 2-22-2022. Such a magical day. What a beautiful portal of a day to to be recording and having the conversation we're going to have today. My guest today is Zachary Goodson. He's a life coach and we know each other from a program that we're doing, uh, basically uh, a school for coaches that uh, where we're learning how to how to expand ourselves up level and really grow our businesses to the you know potential that we know we can. So Um, I've had a few opportunities to talk to Zach and 
I just, you know, his, his story and his growth and relationship and his relationship to women, I found so inspiring that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get you on the podcast. You have to share your story. So I'm very excited to have you here today. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the opportunity. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we start with a little bit about what you do as a coach and, and what inspired you to, to help others in this way? Sure. That's a, that's, that's a big question there. Um, I know. And, I, <laughs> and don't worry, I will, I will pick and choose and, and, and keep opening up little gifts along the way. <laughs> of course. I believe that. Um, what do I do as a coach? As a coach, um, I, I like to think of myself as, as a generous listener and somebody who creates a safe container for transformation. Um, honestly, you know, it's, it's up to the client to, to do the work and to get out of coaching what they want out of coaching. But the container is one that I help to facilitate and create for them. And it's a chance for real honesty to be exchanged between one another, um, vulnerability, a chance for me to kind of be able to see things from a bird's eye view, so to say, and, and maybe point out some blind spots here and there. And, and that's, that's it in a cliff note, uh, abbreviated version for you. So good. I'm curious, the word vulnerability stood out to me also just because of, you know, reading your story, seems like vulnerability was a really big part of your own journey. You know, we talk about vulnerability so much, but why is it important for us to, to be vulnerable and have a space where we can be vulnerable? That's another great question. I, I'd have to give some backstory context, I think, first, because for me, and you know a little bit about my story, so I come from a, a childhood, um, a traumatic childhood. Uh, you know, I, I lost my mom when I was a little boy. Um, I was three and a half when she died. And uh, I was raised by my father and my father wasn't the best of dads at the time. Um, we've done a lot of work on our relationship today and I could talk about that later, should you, should you wish to dive into that. But in the past, you know, as a, as a not so great father, I took all of my teachings that were coming around me as a kid and, and I, I learned that, I learned false beliefs, false core beliefs, if you wanna call it that, that maybe I'm not enough, um, I'm not likable. I'm not lovable. And, and I felt broken and I didn't, as an adult, I didn't feel safe to bring that out into the world. And, and I'm, I'm circling back to vulnerability because that's the last thing I was with anybody. Um, as a child, you know, when your dad drops you off at school after screaming at you in the car the whole way to school, the last thing you're going to be is vulnerable. I, I put a mask on, I was, you know, I wanted to walk into that school and, and I wanted everybody there to think that everything was great in my life. Um, and I, I learned how to do that as an adult. I thought if somebody really knew me, the real me, that they'd laugh and turn around and walk in the other direction. And, and so vulnerability it's a, it's a key part of my life today because I learned how to open up, um, you know, my journey, if you want to call it that start, really started about 12 years ago. And I, 
in the process of that, learned how to, to, to share my secrets, so to say, and, and to show up and, and not run away. And, and I was loved for things and thanked for sharing. And um, I gave others hope when I was, you know, courageous is falling under the same vulnerability umbrella right now. It helped other people um, opening up and sharing, sharing my stuff. So that's why it's, it's so huge in my life today is because I know it helps people. I know it helps me. And every time I open up and I'm vulnerable with somebody else, I know it helps those around me. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely resonate with that just because you've seen my posts on social media. I, I very much love um, having a space to share vulnerable stories and have people feel seen and, and resonate. Yeah. I love what you post on, on Facebook and, and on social media because I, I relate and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing one of two things every time I come across one of your posts, I'm cheering you on. I'm like, yes, because I know it's going to land with somebody. And I also know that it's helpful for you. It's so freeing to to be vulnerable in that way. And yeah, it's just, you know, what you described, you described the pattern that, that many of us, and I would say all of us have as survival and and as a way of being liked, which is, I feel broken inside. Who's going to like that? So I might as well not show that and then find ways to be liked in that way. 100%. Yeah. How did that work out for you? (laughs) (laughs) That was like a, a life quest, if you, if you will. Um, I mean, for me tonight, it was really, I was on a quest. I didn't know it at the time, but I was on a quest to find the the love that I never received from my mom. And, and, and that really came in the form of women for me. Um, I really thought that if you liked me and that you accepted me, then I wasn't maybe a worthless piece of, you know, what, you know, that I was okay. And, and it was an insatiable quest. It was never enough. If you told me that you liked me, if you wanted to date me, if you wanted to sleep with me, I felt better in the moment. But the next morning, it was almost like Groundhog Day. I'd wake up and it was, it was time to start the, the process all over again because I woke up feeling worthless and, and, and miserable again. And so I would go on and try and do the same thing. And I would do it over and over and over again. And it was never enough. It was just this insatiable quest to be validated by another person yeah and what was the turning point for you in that in that journey with your relationship with women uh the turning point was there was there were several key turning point moments and they kind of all come together beautifully one of them it started with the the high that i would get so to say if you want to call it that the validation high from from a woman accepting me started to pale in comparison to the low that I felt afterwards. I started to really ache and and hurt. I'm curious, what were some of the things that you would do to get women's approval that didn't really align with with what you really wanted to do or who you really were? See, that's the the key piece. So I had no idea who I was. I had no idea what I wanted other than I just didn't want, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be liked and loved. I didn't have a clue what I liked. I didn't have a clue who I was, where I was. I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but I remember 
at one point in time going to the mall several years after I went on a, a self-imposed hiatus from all things women. Uh, and I'm putting the cart a little bit before the horse here and going to the mall to buy a t-shirt and leaving the mall in tears because I had no idea what I liked. I, had, I, I went to one shop and I tried on a t-shirt and I was like, okay, I think that looks okay. And it's almost like I was waiting for like a woman to be there on my shoulder to be like, oh my God, you look so good in that, buy the shirt. And then that would have been a no brainer. But being there on my own, I was like, do I like this? Do I not like this? And I went from one shop to a next and experienced that same thing. Finally, after about four stores, I left in tears. I was like, I don't, I don't know me. I don't know who I am. Um, but to go back to where we were, you know, that pain started to really outweigh the high that I got. And then I was reconnected with a woman that I had met many years prior. And I could have swore tonight that she was the one. I was like, okay, this is it. All of this is going to come to an end if this woman just loves me and accepts me. And I went on this Facebook search to find her. And I literally, all I knew was her first and last name. And that pulled up over a thousand matches. And I dove it head first into it. I'm like, all right, game on. I'm going to find this girl and I don't care how long it takes. And my eyes were so tired after about three hours of searching. I had a splitting headache from staring at a screen. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I got to find this woman. This is it. This, this could is have like... been an episode of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> totally. And I was starting to get really fatigued. And I remember telling myself, okay, if I don't find her on the, the, like the 500th you know, person that I you know, profile that I scroll through, I'm going to call off the search. And I found her on number 498. And I was like, oh my God, this is a sign from the universe. I'm supposed to be with this woman. (laughs) And, and we reconnected on Facebook and it showed that she was like going through a breakup. I was like, oh my God, the timing is perfect for all of this. And, and long story short, we, we got together once and and there was, there was really nothing happened. Like nothing happened. She slept on my couch because she needed a place to stay. And she left the next morning and I remember going, this is it. This is the end of my life. Like I'm beyond worthless. I'm beyond lovable. And I picked up a book that my father had given me years prior. And I read a story of about a man in a cave. And the, the story goes, this man was sentenced to a crime and his captors put him in this cave. And they said, there's a way out of here. And we're going to give you 30 days of food and water. And if you could find your way out, you're a free man. If not, you're going to die eventually in this cave. And they sealed off the cave. And the first day that they gave him some food and water, they lowered it in from the top of the cave. And he's like, okay, that opening's maybe like one foot by two foot wide. Like I could fit through there. All I have to do is build a pile of rocks and dirt up to the top of the ceiling. And I will be a free man. And he just started digging with his bare hands and trying to build this you know, this hill, this mound that he could use to get out of the cave and eventually ran out of food and water. And he eventually got so weak that he fell off the top of this mound and he died. And when they opened up the cave to take away his body, the light that shined in into the cave revealed a passageway that was there in the darkness all along. Oh my God. And I read this story tonight and I just burst into tears and I hadn't cried in years. Like I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because yeah, me too. It, was, 
it was the story of my life. Like I was sitting there chasing woman after woman thinking that was my freedom. That was my way out. When all I had to do was just explore my darkness, my secrets to find my freedom, to find liberation. And I never once thought about going into my repressed childhood and, and working through any, and any of that to, to heal old wounds. It was just like, what can I do to, to run away from that pain and that discomfort? So that, that radically changed my life. I, I, from that point on, I, I dove headfirst into me and, and it changed my life forever. Wow, that's so powerful. It's like what they say, that the best way out is through. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I, I've, you know, I've been working on, on my own patterns and noticing who I attract. And a lot of the guys that I was attracting were men who didn't know what they want. I mean, I didn't either. But it was, it was men that were just seeking my validation and what I got to get away with is also not asking for, that, for what I want because I didn't know either. I had this story that I either had to be cute or sexy because that's what men wanted. Mm. So I, if I could just fit myself into one of those categories that I'm going to be liked. Right. Right. Yeah. If I'm cute, they'll like me. If I'm sexy, they'll like me. Exactly. That's the, those right. are the two categories that men are into, either the cute girl or the sexy girl. You can't be both and you can't be anything else. So you're like this ever-changing chameleon going back and forth. But then, yeah, similarly got to this point where having their validation just wasn't, it didn't mean anything. And then I was like, okay, what else is there? You know, what, what do I want? And that's where I, that's the direction that I went in after kind of like my aha moment, if you want to call it that, with the the cave story. I wanted to find help, if you want to call it that. And and through mentorship, I I really stopped all things women for um, several years. Like I, I took myself off of all dating sites. There was no dating whatsoever. There was no sex in my life. There was no anything women related whatsoever. And, and so what happened was I started watching a lot more television. <laughs> uh-huh. I, all of those feelings that wanted to come up and out, like you plug a hole in the, in the dam and the water wants to come out some other way. Right. So like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to watch TV. And, and I was 37 years old. And then I was also playing a lot of video games as a 37 year old man. And I was like, oh, this is not good. This is not healthy. I know this <laughs> in my heart. And so I, yeah. I put my television in the closet and I sold my Xbox and I really forced myself to just come home to an empty apartment, if you will, and just cook myself dinner each night. And I just listened to music and I journaled and I cried. I mean, I went through a form of withdrawal and I really, I met myself in that process, uh, which it was painful and beautiful at the same time. I mean, of course, I've, I've, I've gone through similar situations, but what would you say to someone who is in there, but is like, when do I get out of this? Mm. You know, you, you know, when, the, you know, when that question is asked, like, how much sure. more can I cry, especially with men, you know, because men that I know, at least, you know, they've haven't really gotten in touch with, with their emotions ever. And so here they are in their mid 20s and 30s crying uncontrollably for the first times and they're like okay but how much more can I feel 
Did you ever ask yourself that? <laughs> yeah. And also just answer your question specifically. Like I've worked with men who, who have like, okay, like, can, is, is this enough? You know, can I start dating again? I'm like, as, as soon as you stop asking me if it's enough, then, then you're done. Because it eventually, you know, my crying stopped and then it would come in waves and then it would, it, it, it eventually stopped. And then I started little by little. And that's when like the mall story came into my life. I started little by little doing things for me and, and starting to learn what I liked and what I really enjoyed. Um, you know, I've got family uh, ties um, to New York City and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a football fan. I'm a New York Giants uh, football junkie. And I learned, like I would start to watch the, the, the game uh, I'd record it on Sundays. I'd watch it Sunday evening. I'd get my favorite meal. And I was, I, I learned to just be okay with me and spend time with me. And, 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 you know, I, I, I call it intimacy with myself. I learned how to be in an emotionally intimate relationship with myself. I was building a solid foundation for the first time ever. And cause you can't have a solid relationship. You can't have a healthy, emotionally intimate relationship with another person until you have one with yourself first. So there was no, there's no statue of limitations that say, you know, after a month of crying, you're done. You know, it's like when it's done, it's done. And, and, and then you could, you know, start to build that healthy relationship with yourself and then eventually with somebody else. Yeah, it's almost like a elimination diet. A little bit. You no, know, yeah, you start eliminating. And then afterwards is when you can start reintroducing, right? You know, there's a lot of talk about for, for men, how to be in your healthy masculine and for women, how to be in your healthy feminine. And I think what's missing in that conversation is the inner marriage. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what you're saying is like, can you be with yourself? And so what I'm hearing, I don't know if you're familiar with masculine and feminine, but it's like, can your masculine be there for your feminine? And can your feminine be there for your masculine? Because otherwise, how can you, how can you have someone else do that? Right. Right. You can't just bring like half of an orange to a relationship and expect their other half of their orange to make a perfect merger. And then everything is good and happy and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, um, go off into the sunset together. It's really, you got to bring your, your, the, a complete, a complete person. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, a perfect marriage of the masculine and the feminine within. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've been getting into the practice of when I'm down, just having my inner masculine be like, it's okay, baby. I got you, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, that's what I would want a man to say to me. So it's, it's, it's saying that to myself. Yeah. And what I hear is, is parenting yourself or reparenting yourself. And I did a lot of that. I, I had a little picture. Um, I had a picture of me when I was a little boy and I basically put it up on my fridge, which was the first place I would go in the morning to make coffee and I'd get creamer out of the fridge. And so I'd see little Zachary there every morning and I would talk to him and I'd be like, all right, buddy, I've got you today. You know, nobody can hurt you. Nobody's out to get you. You are enough. And it was, it was the parenting that I never got the healthy mirroring that I could never got from an adult as a kid growing up. Right. And that's what I heard you sharing just now. Like you get to do that. We get to do that for yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious since you know, you mentioned that you were looking for the love that you didn't get from your mom because she wasn't there also. 
So that, that would mean that if you start reparenting yourself, then what you're looking for is different. So did you notice that, that change, or even did you notice that you were attracted to different kind of women or that you're just in general, that your relationship started to look different after doing a lot of reparenting and self-love work? It's a, it's another great question. I, for me, it was really, okay. I honed in on the things that I liked in my life and things that, you know, I, I, I developed a, um, a yoga practice and I was a, a, a healthy, clean eater. These were things that I'd always had some interest in and really learned to like and love. And then I really sat down before even dating again. And I, I made out a list of things that I wanted in another partner. Um, I was clear that I, you know, um, nothing against people who smoke, that's, it, it's your prerogative, but I was clear that I didn't want to date a smoker. Um, and that's on the simplest of surface level things. And, and so I, I did a deep dive into getting really clear because before it was, I was that ever changing chameleon that I referenced earlier. Like I was slinging stuff against a wall and like hoping that stuff would stick. I had a literally a template, like a copy and paste template for online dating where I would just pray that somebody would go, oh my God, this guy seems great. I want to go out with him. You know, you like the beach? Oh, wow. I like the beach. You like the mountains? Yeah, I love the mountains. I was, I was whoever you wanted me to be. So as I learned what I liked and loved, then it was my chance to really go, okay, what do I want in another part and another person and a partner moving forward? And let's get clear on that. And also I got really clear on how I wanted even the dating process to look like. I, I created, if you will, a healthy dating program for myself with boundaries that were in there. I was like, okay, first date is gonna be just getting to know somebody over coffee. Because back in the day, I was like, I've only got one chance to make this shine. I'm gonna take her to like the best sushi restaurant in Los Angeles. And I don't even know you yet. And I'm gonna just try and wow you over with a great night when why don't we sit down at coffee and just see if there's something there first and then we could take it to the next step so i went to like i downshifted if you will i went to a super slow let's take this you know as slow as we possibly can and i found that a lot of people did not like that they were so used to that let's build intensity straight out of the gate hardcore intensity yeah, especially in a big city like LA where that's prioritized. Yeah, and, and going slow did not work for a lot of people. I knew that that's what, that's, that was going to be the healthiest approach for me because I knew what I had done before in the past and that didn't work. You know, sleeping with somebody and then trying to get to know them, that didn't work. I was like, all right, so we need to do, we, we're going to reinvent my wheel, so to say, and we're going to take it slow. Um, and... And I knew that in that process, that if I was very clear with who I wanted to be with from the get-go, and then I also then took in this, let's take it slow process in conjunction with that, I knew the right person would, would funnel through, if you will. I knew that just, it, it would all work out. Mm, yeah. So it's like just really standing by your desires. Sure. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean I don't miss my old ways, you know, I mean, you can call it addictive, if you will. Um, I've referred to that plenty of times before as addictive patterns and behaviors. And I, I miss 
I miss the intensity, you know, when it's, when something's new, the honeymoon phase, that's, but that's not real intimacy, right? That's just intensity. Like mm. real intimacy settles in when things get vanilla mm. and vanilla is hard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 why don't we talk about vanilla? How do you personally enjoy the flavor of vanilla? Like how, how do you find enjoyment in, in that intimacy? I love it and I hate it. And I know hate's a strong word because when there's a disagreement or an argument, you know, with my wife, I, there's a side of me that still wants to shut down and run and go create intensity somewhere else. And that's not healthy. So the more that I lean into the discomfort, the more that I like the, the taste of vanilla, you know, it's, I find gratitude in, in the vanilla. That's when, that's when I've used the word intimacy can, is, can show up and shine and also love. Like really just allow that to, to permeate and to, you know, get through whatever armor I might be wearing still at the time. It's, um, and when that seeps in, it's, it's, it's better than anything I've ever experienced. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm currently single and I also took a, like a year long break and, and like you said, that slowing down process in the beginning is interesting because it's, it's completely different than, than this like fairy tale intense concept that I had about dating, you know, where there's like this quick spark and intensity. And it's been very interesting to approach it differently and, and get to know someone and see what comes up in the getting to know them. Mm. And does that old side of you still want to crop up and do you miss the intensity at all? Yeah, I definitely do. I, um, quick side note, but I went, I went out to karaoke with my friends the other day and we're like, let's get drunk, you know? And, and it's because I hadn't, we haven't done that in years and it was fun, but at the same time, it wasn't that fun. You know, like (laughs) this, the, my body was like, why are you doing this to me? Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm curious, you know, you said, um, you started setting boundaries what was your relationship with boundaries and saying no before? And, and how did you change your relationship with that? Since you were this guy that was like a chameleon and said yes to everything. Yeah, I had no boundaries before. None. And, and I, no boundaries. I ignored every red flag that came my way. And because heaven forbid, I have a boundary and, and it, it offends or, or affects you. And it doesn't have to offend you. It could just affect you. You could go, hmm, that doesn't work for me. Because when you want somebody's love and approval, and that's what you're desperate for, to, to be okay with yourself, heaven forbid you have any obstacles in the way for that other person to be like, hmm, thanks, but no thanks. Because all that's going to do then is trigger my abandonment issues at the time, loss of a mom, and it's just going to trigger that core false belief of I'm not lovable, I'm not likable, and I'm all alone. So the concept of boundaries were non-existent. And in the process of getting healthy, if you will, <laughs> emotionally uh, healthy, I 
started to really work on boundaries on the external level and on the internal level. And I'll give you an example of both. On the external level, I, I, I picture almost like a, a hand over the heart and like a, a hand being pushed away, like stop. Like that's my like, okay, this is an external boundary. I don't want your stuff. That's not my responsibility to absorb your stuff. I'm not gonna take on your shame or your guilt or your rage or anything of the sorts. And on the internal side, it's I'm gonna do a really good job at containing all of my insecurities, if that's what's present for me in the moment, my fears. I'll give you a perfect example. When I first started dating my wife, my now wife, um, she went out with a girlfriend one night and she was texting me throughout the evening. I was home alone and she's texting me probably like every 20 minutes or so, you know, have, saying like, having the best time, loving being out with my girlfriend, hope you're having a great night. And I'm like, oh yeah, I hope you're having a great night too. I'm just enjoying, you know, whatever here at home. And then suddenly the texts stopped. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who has any sort of childhood trauma, that's when the mind can really take over and start to, the irrational mind and start to make up stories. And I started making up stories in my head. I was like, oh my God, this she's not out with her friend. She's really out with a guy. And this is all a big joke. Like she's cheating on me behind my back. And, and I just, I started to spiral out of control. I, I, it was like watching a train wreck and I just didn't know how to stop. And everything came to a head with, like I was getting ready to go to sleep and I text her a, a pissy goodnight text. And like anybody could tell tone when it's a pissy tone. And, and <laughs> yes. And, and she called me up and she's like, what's the matter? What's going on? And, and I basically blamed her for how I was feeling. And so in that moment, I had really poor internal boundaries. It was like, it was like the alarms were going off and you could hear like containment breach, containment breach, like alert, alert. And, and the dam just broke and all of my insecurities came flooding out. And I blamed her for how I was feeling in that moment. Like, how dare you like not you know, keep texting me as if she was responsible for how I was. That was an, that was an internal boundary breach. And, and thank God I had done the work on myself at that point in time to be able to clean up my mess the next day. I, I owned it. I, I, I did a, you know, a, a thorough examination of, of, of the, the, the prior night, the next morning. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, look, this is all me. This is, this was all my fault. And I need to own up to it right now and make amends. And I called her up and thank God she was willing to listen to me. And I was like, I'm so sorry. This was all me. I, I had really poor internal boundaries last night. And I let out all of my fears, all of my insecurities. I just, I leaked all over you. And, and she accepted my apology as we moved on. And, and, and so that's, a, that's an example of an internal boundary. And that's, those are the hardest, I think is to not let out all those insecurities and blame somebody else for how you're feeling on the inside. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. And then owning it, you know, I think that's, that's mm -hmm. a big one too, without any blame. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah. I, I couldn't blame her. She did, she did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Or blame yourself. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, oh, it's just what, what happens. Did you blame yourself? <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And then I had to do work around that too. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have to, I, I, I got to. I, I yeah, got to. yeah. It's all, it's all a gift if we look at it that way. 
Mm. Yeah, I love that you said that because I actually wanted to get your opinion on something. I, you know, whenever people say like, you can't love someone else until you love yourself or don't be in a relationship until you love yourself. There's a part of me that that kind of agrees with that and says, yes, like you, you'll only receive the love that you can give yourself. And then there's also a part of me that's like, that sounds a little extreme, mm. you know? And so I'm curious what your thoughts on that are, are on that. I think it could be a little extreme. Um, my thoughts on it are, if somebody's doing a deep dive into them and I'm going to use myself as, as an example, when I started dating my, my now wife, like, I wasn't fully in love with myself. I was still a work in progress, but I was, I was work in progress. I was doing the work. And so in that regard, I, I think that's perfectly okay. You know, it, it, it's, it's now if we backpedal and go to the question that you asked me earlier about, you know, what if a guy like says, okay, is this enough? Can I get back out there and start doing that? You know, so there's a right time and place for all of it. And and so I think we're constantly, I think it, our entire life is about loving ourselves and learning to love ourselves as deeply as we possibly can. I don't, there's no way I'm ever going to perfect that. It's, it's a, it's a lifelong process. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, and I love what you said about work in progress because um, it's kind of like, I think our relationships especially show us the parts of ourselves that we're not loving. So if we just always go back to us, even in relationship, then we can really see beautiful things happen in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, something else that I, I wanted to pedal back to is something, you know, you mentioned um, this idea that you kind of, you, you decided to turn inward and face your core beliefs. And, and there's, a line that you said that, that I'm reading in your website that says, I decided to face my deepest fears and pursue my own healing. Mm. I would love to hear you speak on, um, yeah, the power of, of facing your fears of, of like actually turning towards your fears. Okay. Yeah. I think we, we've touched on it a little bit. My fear was being alone and not being loved specifically by, by a woman. Um, it, it spilled over for in, in my, my male relationships as well. Um, just being accepted. And, and so when, when, when I turned inward, so as I mentioned, like I, I stopped every form of acting out, if you will, when it came to women. Um, and that, that was, my biggest fear. My biggest fear was really, I, I, I think it was just, I was afraid of feelings. You know, if I look back at, at my childhood, I remember there was a time when I was crying in my bedroom. My, my father was, he was really upset at me for something that most of the time I couldn't even remember. Um, and I don't want to paint him in a horrible light. Like we've done a, a ton of healing work around the past and uh, happy to talk about that should you wish. Um, but in this particular moment, he was screaming at me to stop crying. And 
and the, the louder he got and the closer he got to me. And he used to do this thing where he would kind of like jab his finger at my, my chest. And I remember in, in, in a very specific moment tonight that I stopped crying. And like, I stopped feeling of sorts. And I just, I really, cause we're inherently born feelers. And I started living in my head instead. I then became like this overthinker and really facing my biggest fears would be would facing my, my pain-filled past and, and really my emotions. Emotions can't kill you. And yet I was, I was terrified is, is a strong word. I, it, I was terrified of, of looking at my past and, and specifically whatever emotions wanted to come up around that. I was, I became so disconnected with my emotions. I remember being at a, at a workshop once and, and the facilitator had a list of eight basic emotions in front of me. And I was in a group of people and I had just shared a, a story from my, my childhood and the facilitator was like, Zach, how did that make you feel? And I kid you not, I was so disconnected from my emotions. It felt like, like, like a must pass test. And I looked at that board and I could not tell you how I felt. And I, I said, I think sad. And it was almost like in a question format, like, please tell me that's the right answer. And, and the facilitator, she's, she's like, lovingly, she's like, Zach, it's okay. You know, if you don't know, it's, you've spent a long time, years, like decades being disconnected from your emotions. And, and that made me sad. That made me really, really sad. But that was, I, I, I think those were, that was me facing my biggest fears was just that repressed childhood and, 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 and my emotions, because they felt overwhelming. You know, if something feels overwhelming, what are we going to do? We're going to, you know, do something to make that go away. Yeah. I don't want to feel that. That's, oh, yeah. that's overwhelming. Um, right. So it's like the freedom that you found was actually facing. Yeah. Like actually taking a look at what you fear. And if feeling was what you feared, then you were like, I'm going to go feel it then. Yeah, exactly. Um and look at all of these great stories that, that exist today that are very similar, right? Look at, if I geek out for a second with Star Wars, look at Luke Skywalker going into the cave to face what he thought was Darth Vader. And he, you know, he, he kills him and then the, the head, you know, the mask dissolves off and it's actually a, a Luke Skywalker's face. So he had to face him, his own demons, his own self. And that's just one of hundreds of examples. Um, or we just have to kind of meet ourselves at some point in time. And that could be scary if you've been running away from that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a very different story than the go out and feel better, go out and be positive. You know, it's, it's very different. It's because your fears will just come with you with every step yeah. forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I just did a, a training that I've been talking a lot about, um, a sexual shamanic spiritual training and a lot of it was emotional release and we had this exercise where we were sitting in front of a pillow and we had to hit it and um, it was also about uh, parent stuff so I'd actually love to ask you about what you've been mentioning with your dad um, I'd already told the facilitators that I, um, I dissociate a lot and so they're like okay raise your hand whenever you do so everyone's like screaming, hidden pillows, crying, shouting. And 
I'm like, you know, so I raise my hand and I'm like, you know, I'm not really feeling anything. And the facilitator is like, and how do you feel about that? And I'm like fucking angry. And I just start hitting the pillow and I'm like, I can't feel anything. And so, yeah, similar to you, but you felt sad about not feeling and, you know, it's, um, there's always that entry point of, of the feeling and, and, and it's like this, such an act of surrender to let yourself feel that and, and be taken by the thread and see where it goes. Yep. And we live in a world today where there's, there are so many things that can distract us from feeling, you know, look at our phones apps are, I mean, there's get online and Google it. You could read about it. apps are developed to be like drugs right. to, to check ourselves out from ourselves. Oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I better grab my phone. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of doing it still sometimes. Um, television, video games. Uh, there's so many process and my old therapist called it like a process addiction. Like we don't, we, we don't know how to process our emotions. So we go to something to distract ourselves from it. And sometimes people do it with food. Sometimes they do it with video games. Sometimes they do it with television. Sometimes they do it with sex. Sometimes they do it with their phones. Um, I, I, I'm uncomfortable. I better go and check out for a second. <laughs> yes, totally. We've just become discomfort. Yeah, avoidance, like everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like we're wearing pillows around our bodies <laughs> for everything. Oh man. So yeah, I, I'm so curious about your relationship with your dad. It, it's that that sounds amazing that you guys did work together. Is that is that what you did? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, the, the healing really started with mom first. Um, even though she had was long gone. Um and I'll I'll, I'll get to dad in one second, but with mom um at a workshop we did an experiential experience where they had like mom essentially like, you know, I was doing air quotes there for your listeners um, sitting in a, in the chair in front of me and getting a chance to communicate with mom, even though she really wasn't there. Um, and then flipping the chairs around. And it was really weird when we flipped the chairs around and I was mom for a second, like I, Hey, maybe it's over the top and some, some listeners can be like, what is this guy spouting off here? But I really felt my mom's presence like in me at that moment. And I started in this workshop, like howling, like sobbing, howling and like, you know, screaming out like my boy, I miss my boy. And it makes me emotional just thinking about it and re- revisiting it. Cause it was the first time in my life that I really ever, went, oh my God, mom really like loved me and she didn't want to leave me. I grew up believing that, that mom didn't want to be around for me as if she had a choice. She died of cancer. She, of course she wanted to be around for me, but when we're little kids, we don't know how to process things like we do when we're adults. And so I made up her leaving the only way my little mind knew how to make up her leaving. There was something wrong with me. Right. If the one person who's meant to love you the most in the world left you, then it it affects your identity. Right. And then you live believing that, that thought, that belief, that false core belief for, I'm I'm 48 years old now for decades. 
and it really becomes larger than life and it, it, it believable more than anything. Right. And, and so that moment was really the beginning of my healing with my mom. And, and even though she's, she's passed, we have a relationship today. Like I, I talk to her all the time and she still shows up in ways. My mom was an actress and like out of the blue, I'll get a residual check, you know, from, an episode of, you know, happy days that she did. And it's, really? like, <laughs> and it's like, and it's for 12 bucks, which like is one yeah. of my favorite numbers. And I'm like, okay, mom, I feel uh, you me on my shoulder. And, and just because she gets, she's gone doesn't mean I can't have an emotionally intimate relationship with her. And with, with dad, God bless him. My father was willing to come into my therapy sessions years ago. I, I remember turning to my therapist at one point in time saying, I think it's time that I get angry at my dad. And he's like, great, let's invite him in. And I immediately went, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Wow. And I was shaking from head to toe when I called him to ask if he would be okay coming into therapy. Because he and I, we always had a, like a surface level relationship. We'd be like, you know, how's the weather over there where you live? And it's okay. How's the weather over there? It's okay. And then we talk about the New York Giants for a second. Yeah, they're horrible this year. Not exactly about emotions and trauma. Never, never. Yeah. And then he showed up to therapy and he was a, a open and willing participant. And we had a first session and I thought I had to get angry at my dad. And as soon as the therapist was like, Zach, is there anything that you want to say? I just sobbed. And like all of this hurt came out. And... It, what I think it really was tonight, I think it just, I needed my dad to see how much pain I was in. I had never shown him how much pain I was in. And my therapist after that session, this is like 10 years ago now, he's like, okay, Zach, you know, I, I wanna ask you a question and I wanna ask if you're okay if your dad holds you. And I, I was like, oh, we hug, we're fine. And he's like, no, I like, I'm talking about like, a father holding a child mm. and everything in my mind said, absolutely not. And my heart, and my heart said, you need to do this. And the therapist is like, great, this is where I leave you guys alone. And he walked out and my dad kind of scooched over on the couch. And I, I, I put my head in his chest and just, I cried from a place that I had never knew existed. And 30 seconds later, I was extremely uncomfortable and I kind of pushed him away. I was like, okay, that's too much intimacy there. And, and it was the beginning of, of something great. And he said, thank you for letting me in. And he said wow. something I'll never forget. He said, I never knew the importance of holding a child until just now. Wow. You know, it was me just taking off all of my armor and just saying, dad, will you please hold me? And it was, it was, it was powerful and it was healing. It was a, it was, it was a beautiful moment. And, and then we did lots of other things beyond that, but that was kind of the start of that. And, you know, I honestly believe if we want to see change in our lives, you know, from somebody else, be the change first. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. And, and just like, it is the the magic that happens when you let someone know that you need their love because in, in that moment they're 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 important yeah and if we come full circle like the power of vulnerability mm. it, and like it let my dad's guard down too 
just by me being open and honest and vulnerable. Yeah, I think that's one of the things most people don't fully embody yet. This this idea that if if you open up, there's a really big chance that that's what's going to be mirrored back to you. If you really get to get to the depths of your vulnerability and, and openness and yeah, surrender. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's not met, right? And 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 you know, I can have grace and 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 love for another person and their process, and go, okay, maybe that person's not, you know, this isn't them, or they're they're not comfortable with that, and I can just love them for who they are, because you know, we've talked about this a little bit in 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 our community that you and I have, have, have grown to know each other through. And, and it's, who am I being in that moment? Am I being somebody that needs to get something from them? Do I need this other person to really let down their guard and show this side of themselves that I, is, what am I, if, cause if I need it, that implies that I need something from them to be whole and complete in me. Or can I just come at it whole and complete and be like, okay, if they don't open up, if they're not vulnerable in return, that's them. And that's just not who they, they're not comfortable with that. And, and I still I like feel it. whole and complete. Yeah. 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 I, I can resonate. I had a, a moment in my relationship with my dad where I realized I wanted him to change so that I would feel accepted by him. Mm. Like if he would just get me, then he would accept me. Um, and I wasn't seeing the way that he was accepting me and the way that he was, you know, being there for me. So it was, it was a really eye-opening moment. And it was a, and it was, a, it was a moment of checking myself, you know, and, and seeing who isn't really accepting who. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and <laughs> since then, like, I feel really comfortable just being, being myself in conversation, you know, and, and really, um, uh, being being really honest and and just not seeking that validation that that I used to seek. Hmm. That's beautiful. Ah, wow! I think this has to be one of the most emotional podcast episodes for me. It's really yeah. We we really got got in there. I, I just appreciate you so much for for letting us all in on on some of the most raw and vulnerable moments of your life. No, it's it's. It's my pleasure <laughs> if that if yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, I don't know how to be otherwise today. Like once that door opened, I don't I, I don't need to close it. And so if I can share my stuff and help somebody along the way and be of service in that in that regard, I am all for it. So good. Speaking of, how can listeners reach out to you and, and for what? what yeah what are you helping people with these days you mentioned that a little bit in the beginning but let's let's bring it back yeah um i'm i'm doing a lot of work with individuals in terms of building that healthy emotional intimacy with themselves i work with some people also who are in partnership and but a lot of it deals with that that relationship with self and the inner game rather than than the outer game sometimes there's external goals that we work on but most of it's internal um, what do you want to be? Um, and letting go of armor that no longer serves you that you've been lugging around your whole life and, and, and creating the life that you want to see and have moving forward. 
yeah, if, if anybody has any questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Anybody can find my contact information on my website, which is ZacharyGoodson.com. They can also email me at thezacharygoodson at gmail.com. And I'm, I'm more than happy to answer any questions that anybody has. Awesome. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us off with the quote that you have on your site, which is the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek which is just so encompasses um, everything that you shared today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so true. It's, I don't know if I can need to add anything to that. It's, it's walk through your fears and your life will just, it's going to, will change forever for the better. Amen. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Uh, likewise, this has been a, a gift and a treat and, and as are you. So thank you. Hey, you, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And it would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. About what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.